On November 29, 2021, President Biden appointed Daniel Blackman to serve as the regional administrator for EPA's Southeast Region, Region 4. In this role, Daniel served as the EPA's lead on protecting public health and the environment for the region spanning Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Mississippi, the Carolinas, Tennessee, and six federally recognized tribes. I'm joined by Mr. Blackman today to discuss that role and a new role within the Environmental Protection Agency. Daniel, thank you for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast. It's an honor, man. I, I am so happy to have so many extensions of the work and the commitment that's being made. Uh, you know, it's just a, really an honor. These conversations are, are not held as frequent as they should. And I'm very proud to be able to be engaged at this moment. Well, you know, one of the things that I usually start off with with every guest on this podcast is I usually ask, how did you become a weather geek? But I, I know a little of your background and I know you have a lot of geekiness from a different perspective. So just tell tell the listeners a little bit about how you uh, came to be a sort of key lead in the Environmental Protection Agency and a little of the lead up to that before that time. You know, it's, it's the, the irony is uh, it was by default. You know, when you think of, uh, for example, Hurricane Katrina, this was several years between, before uh, my service. You know, a couple of years before Obama became president, I was intrigued because, you know, we, we kept hearing these terms like climate refugee and, you know, the climate impact and global warming. And, you know, it got to a point where I was like, you know, why did the levees break? You know, why, what, what, what was this Category 5 that was happening in you know, who's the Army Corps of Engineers and what's the FEMA response? I mean, so early in my career, in my mid-20s, I just got intrigued by wanting and having a desire to, to understand why things happen and why there was a disproportionate effect on communities of color. And as a result, um, I ended up following, you know, policies very closely. I ended up getting involved during the Obama administration with many uh, programmatic opportunities that were on the ground, community driven, that were focused on addressing these areas response. I went and got my NIM certification for emergency management and response. And I, I really just dove headfirst into it. And I think it's one of those things, Doc, that, you know, when you get involved with it, it's hard to unengage. And as storms have gotten more extreme and we're seeing more extreme weather patterns, as we're seeing more flooding, um, it really positioned me um, over a decade ago to ultimately end up in a position where I've been able to have an impact on so many areas. And it's been truly, truly um, extraordinary journey that I, I hope to continue throughout my career. Now, I'm going to call him Daniel. I, I almost said Mr. Blackman, but it's a little difficult when I <laughs> when I talk to people that I know so well. There's a relationship yeah, there, Daniel man. and I have known each other for some time now. I've admired what he's done. Um, now, you, you served in a role as the uh, Region 4 uh, administrator of the EPA, and you can tell our listeners a little bit about what that entailed. I know you're moved into a new role uh, as people are listening to this, and we'll get more into that. But give the listeners, because I don't really think we've had anyone from the EPA on this podcast, at this level at least, can you just give the listeners a bit of a 101 on how the EPA is organized? I think people are familiar with the Environmental Protection Agency, but they yeah. may not be familiar with the fact that it breaks out into regions. Yeah. You know, it, it's the irony is it, it's not as complicated as it would sound. You know, when you think of air and water and land, our mission statement 
it literally says that our responsibility and role is to protect these areas and to ensure public health, safety, and well-being. So when you think about um, how our agency functions and operates, uh, when you mentioned those 10 regions, um, we have an administrator, Administrator Michael Regan, uh, who has done a phenomenal job in making sure that the agency's priorities are in alignment with environmental justice and climate impact. And, you know, he started off his service uh, you know, as a cabinet member uh, to this to the Biden Harris administration, and focusing uh, heavily on our journey to justice. You know, Administrator Regan uh, has made sure that each individual that's an RA, there are ten RAs. Uh, again, RA is regional administrator, and those individuals represent ten regions within the United States. My region, Region Four, is the southeastern United States. So when you think of it, think Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Kentucky. Right. That's region four. And so when you think of environmental protection agency, we're not just about enforcement. We're not just uh, a part of the regulatory process. You know, we engage the community. You know, we come in and we help with emergency response. Um, We have air directors, water directors. We have a scientific diving program. We have a public affairs division. Right. I mean, you know, EPA has so much to offer, as does many other federal agencies. I just don't think we've done a great job over the years. Uh, And just letting people know that, number one, we'd love to have your talent, but more than anything else, I think it's important for people to know that it's such a wide ranging area beyond the critical importance of science and engineering. Right. And I think that's really one of the most critical areas. Um, We have an entire legal division. We have something called the Office of Regional Counsel. Um, Their job is specifically to focus on how we are addressing complaints and certain areas that cross uh, civil rights concerns within these areas. And I'm very proud to say that under the leadership of Administrator Michael Regan, we've started the first ever Office of Environmental Justice and External Civil Rights. Uh, Being in Region 4, which is in the American South, knowing the history of the civil rights movement in Atlanta and Georgia, around the South, around the country, I'm very proud to know that we've found a way to have an intersection and a parallel as it relates to environmental justice and external civil rights, because if we're going to serve communities and address these issues, we have to make sure that those disadvantaged, uh, underserved communities are at the table. And that's why programs like the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, which afforded um, 40% of federal investment towards underserved communities, is critical because we don't want these communities that have been impacted based on zip code to continue to struggle. Every child, every community, Everyone we serve in any of our cities and any of our regions deserve the opportunity to have clean water and clean air and to and to really trust that their federal family is doing everything possible to protect them each and every day. And I, I appreciate you allowing us to articulate that, man. It's it's uh it can be complicated, but it can also be a fun space and an encouraging space. Well, and it's important. And I know some of the Weather Geeks listeners and viewers may be saying, well, why is the EPA on Weather Geeks? But just think about it. <laughs> uh, goodness, I mean, we've had extreme rainfall events that have created sewage and wastewater and septic issues in the South. I mean, I think people remember yep. what happened to Jackson, Mississippi. There was a weather component to that with all of the extreme flooding and rainfall. Uh, recent ruling uh, from the Supreme Court ha- has impact on wetlands. Wetlands are a major buffer against hurricanes when they make landfall. So the EPA touches almost every aspect of our lives, and there are many weather-related events. Now, you mentioned that you served in a role as the administrator for the Southeast Region, Region 4, but you are in a new role now at EPA. What what does that role entail? It's very, um, you know, interesting. And, you know, with 
because this role is is taking on new life, it's um, senior advisor for STEM and diversity recruitment. And and we're, you know, when you think of our agency, uh, one, I'm very proud of what EPA as a whole has been able to do um, over the years. We have folks that have career knowledge and institutional knowledge, but you know what, Doc, these individuals are at retirement age, you know, and when you're in a region like Region 4, where we have had upwards of 50 uh, of our engineers that are eligible for retirement, we, we have to build the bench. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, we have to make sure the workforce of the future is in place. It's great to say that we do enforcement and that we respond to extreme weather events and that we have, you know, resources to address air and water issues. I mean, when you think of flooding, I mean, my first 10 days on the job, um, there was a massive flood in Kentucky. And we had to respond very quickly on these areas. So when you think of these types of challenges, it, it opens the door for us to say, you know what? Another component of us being able to do the regulatory process, the enforcement process, to do water sampling, to work with other agencies such as FEMA, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, USDA. You know, we have so many different elements. But how do you recruit for that? Right. One of my dear friends and counterparts over at USDA reminds me that food security is national security. Right. So how are we recruiting the future that can address the intersection between national security and environmental issues? How are we addressing uh, concerns that we have, such as the fact that within the agricultural space, 50 percent of our growers are going to more than likely retire. Right. And so protecting our food sources and our water sources are critical. So when we talk about STEM, when we talk about diversity recruitment, when we talk about building the agency, it's multi-pronged. And I'm, I'm happy to help to create and define that space because, again, under the Biden-Harris administration and Administrator Michael Regan, we're not here to check the box. This is a whole of government approach that we've taken to make sure that, number one, we educate the community. Number two, we work diligently to make sure our state partnerships, our public and private partnerships are not only transparent, but that we're working and bringing the community to the table. And when you think about recruitment, how do we get more people to see a Dr. Shepard or Daniel Blackman and say, I want to learn how to be on a trajectory to be in that position? I want to take my desire for social justice and environmental justice. And I want to go and work a part of an organization that can help me to fundamentally change the future of the community that I come from. So I'm very proud that, you know, this is a priority of the administrator and more to come, more great information, but, you know, building the bench, uh, addressing the fact that 56% of the historically black colleges are in region four, that has been a highlight and a privilege of mine to have served in that capacity. And we're going to continue to do it around the country to make sure that every zip code, every community, every single individual that feels there is a barrier to entry within the federal government has an opportunity to serve, to learn from us. But more than anything else, um, they know exactly what we do and where they fit in that conversation. So when we come back, I'm going to get a little bit more insight from Daniel Blackman on how he views our changing climate and some of the things that concern him most about that. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia, and I'm speaking with Daniel Blackman of the Environmental Protection Agency. And I want to give a little more of uh, Mr. Blackman's background. Daniel spent over a decade advising policymakers at the state capitol and advocating on behalf of Georgia ratepayers and small businesses in energy-related matters before Georgia's Public Service Commission. Uh, he has served as chairman of the Georgia chapter of the Sierra Club and a board member to the ACLU uh, during the Obama administration. Before he joined the uh, Biden administration, Daniel worked closely within EPA Region 4 on issues including water infrastructure, clean air, land and emergency management, environmental justice issues, and more. Uh, he is uh, the son of immigrants from Barbados. They know a little bit about hurricanes. Uh, And as an alumnus of Clark Atlanta University, a proud family man, a husband, father, and so forth. So again, someone that I've known for a while and really admired what he has done. And, you know, now he's moving into not just the regional space, but a national voice within the Environmental Protection Agency. And I mentioned climate change and extreme weather, and you've mentioned that as well. From your lens as someone that has talked about these issues from the lens of environmental justice, from an energy perspective, uh, what concerns you the most? You know, two areas stand out the most. And and the first is protecting our greatest natural resource, which is our children. Um, One thing I didn't mention earlier was that within our uh, states we represent in Region 4, we have six federally recognized tribes. And our tribal community reminds us that we do not inherit the planet from our ancestors. We borrow it from our children. So I think the biggest concern I have is how are we turning over the future to our children, to students that, that graduate from University of Georgia, from you know, Clark, Atlanta, Spelman, Morehouse, Morris Brown, Georgia State, Georgia Tech. I mean, you name it. You know, this is a big state with a lot of educational opportunities. And what type of future are we turning over to them? So, you know, my biggest concern is how well are we preparing these young people, not with the skill set, but here's the thing, Doc, with institutional knowledge, right? There's a huge difference between preparing someone academically and transferring institutional knowledge, right? Whether these are in the weather space, in the political space, there is just, there's information that books will cover, that data will show, that cannot be transferable between an individual that has served for 25, 35, 40 years within an agency. Um, and that holds true for the academic space, the corporate space, the political space, nonprofit, you name it. So that's the first one that keeps me up at night. And that's why building the bench and building a space where we can address an issue within EPA, which I'm, I'm proud to say right now that I'm very concerned about. And that's the fact that 7% of our agency's workforce is under 35 years old. Um, that's a huge issue. And when you have just 35% of our agency that is, uh, you know, I, I don't know, the lights just went out on that. Yeah, <laughs> but when you have 7% of our agency that's under 35 years old, we, that is that is an urgency. Right. It makes it it makes it critical for us to say who is going to protect our air and our water and who's going to address the extreme weather events and and how are we going to address these challenges that exist? So it's really important for me to let your, your, your viewers and listeners know that we have to really take a more formidable and direct approach to how we are preparing the next generation. The other thing that keeps me up at night is is, you know, and this is a little bit different from folks, but it's really, you know, preserving and building an agency that is administration proof. 
you know, Administrator Michael Regan, uh, the Biden-Harris administration, we've been very ambitious on how we are addressing the concerns of environmental justice. How do we create a culture within federal agencies that does not is not contingent on who occupies the Oval Office? Right. Because I'll give you an example, man. Lowndes County, Alabama, you mentioned Jackson, Mississippi, Appalachia. You pick a place in the United States that has an issue. And these folks don't have time for policy changes and 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 different types of of, uh, of, of concerns that are coming about. And that's what I really love and appreciate about this administration. It's saying, hey, we see you. We hear you. And we're not just going to check the box. And so creating a culture within each of our regions that says, you know, we're going to follow the science. We're going to be very well and aware of the law and of what we can and can't do. We're going to make sure that we're doing things by the book and we're creating stronger partnerships between our state agencies and the communities in which we serve. And so that's really those two areas, man, the, the, the young people and, and building out you know, the, the future. And hey, here's the thing. It's not just a federal issue. State agencies and federal agencies are struggling to recruit new talent and to keep talent and to be competitive with what's offered so that those individuals can bring the best and the brightest ideas. There was a time where we were afraid that we were going to lose Georgia's best students and Georgia Tech's best students to Silicon Valley and to Washington. And now our concern is now that they're here, how do we keep them in a space that can help shape federal and statewide uh, policies, enforcement, and regulations, and that's what we hope to do. So, you know, I want to build on that question, and I know it's right in the sweet spot of your new role at EPA. Um, what does a federal agency like the EPA look for in the next generation of students? I mean, you know, I think some people listening to this might be surprised that some of the backgrounds of people, you might think it's just a bunch of air chemists and air physicists and meteorologists <laughs> and climatologists, but you need all types of expertise, right? And I think that's true across the board. I mean, you can look at studies from Harvard and from Yale and from different institutions that are looking at, at building um, a, a, a characteristics, uh, building upon characteristics of what they're looking for. And surprisingly, it's not just the background in science or engineering or the advanced degree. Those are critical. Those are important. But they're also looking for people that can tell stories. They're also looking for people that can think outside of the box. Right. And how do you take this idea of being and thinking outside of the box. You know, this generation, um, let's look at it as I think Steve Jobs said one time, it's like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, right? So what we're looking for is people that can, can help us to understand how do we communicate, right? How do we enforce and create spaces in the regulatory arena where we can think outside of the box for communities that have been um, disenfranchised. When you think of a, an area like Appalachia, you know, if we're talking about the impact of water and air, we have to be sensitive to the fact that there are certain pockets of the United States that are suffering from extreme poverty. Uh, I spoke um, for one of our American Recovery Act uh, events with Clayton County, Georgia. Um, you know, we I'm very proud of our $5 billion investment through the, the Biden-Harris administration on the Clean School Bus Program. 25 million kids depend on buses every day, Doc to go to school and get home. Uh, and, and it's important for me to understand that this program helps communities that are impacted. In Georgia, we have 181 school districts. 141 of them have populations of 20% or higher that live at or below poverty. When I went to Clayton County, I had a chance to speak at Michelle Obama's STEM Academy. And while it was an extraordinary event with great kids, uh, I found out that 98% 
of the kids in that school live at or below poverty. Like that, that's that's too high. Yeah. And so when I think of these types of opportunities and what we're able to do, it's programs like that that really drive these conversations. And, you know, we want people that can identify with these areas and say, hey, I want to help bring these zip codes, you know, into compliance. I want to go into areas where there are barriers like language barriers. Right. How how many of our API community, our Hispanic community, these populations are growing so we have to now rethink how we're communicating with those audiences. Are we creating material that is native to their language? Are we putting notices out? Are we extending our public comment periods? What are we doing each and every day um, as an agency? This has you know, nothing to do with the, the former role that I shared, um, but this is really critical for us to be aware of knowing that we've got to be able to recruit people and retain people. Now, here's the, the, the most important part. We're recruiting from within. And we're bringing people up through these spaces, but we're also making sure that folks know that not only do we exist, but we have a really great opportunity. We have an Office of Research and Development, multiple locations throughout the United States that just focuses on research. Air, um, when you think of the pandemic we just faced, and our, our RTP, Research Triangle Park, um, we're studying pathogens. We're looking at how uh, air quality and the ability for us to, to uh, keep areas as, as uh, harmless as possible for those who have challenges such as respiratory illnesses. These are advances in technology and sciences that we're doing every day. And I would hope that it's encouraging to the next generation to say, I want to do that. I want to, you know, utilize my degree or my skill set towards research. I want to go in and address how we can prevent the next pandemic. These are all areas that EPA and other federal agencies are offering. And we're telling that story. But more than anything else, we know that there's a talent from the next generation that exists that we have to tap into. And, you know, I, I will mention with those bipartisan bills and the clean buses that you noted, that's also good for the climate because we know that greenhouse emissions are driving much of the change right. we're seeing in our climate system. And so as we shift to different modes of transportation, I know you're familiar with the Drawdown Georgia and the Project Drawdown yeah. efforts where we've identified these places where we need to move. And I think some of what you have mentioned is right in line with that. Last question for you. Um, on your journey, your career journey so far, what has surprised you the most and what is the greatest lesson that you've learned? Wow. Yes, that's what you're going to do to a friend. That's what I know. I had to drop that one on you. I, I don't even think our good friend David was prepared for that one, but I, 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 wow. I know you well enough that I know that you've got some insight from that. All right, let me let me let you repeat the question so I can answer it the right way. So what has know, surprised you the most? What right has surprised you the most as you've come up from sort of a young college student to being a leading yeah. uh administrator in our federal government? And then, you know, secondly, sort of, you know, just what are some, I guess big a, a challenge that you didn't anticipate. I'll put it that yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> Biggest takeaway is time waits for for no one. Um there has to be an urgency. You know, one of my mentors was Congressman John Lewis, and, and he, you know, he talked about ours being the struggle of a lifetime. And it's not one administration or it's not, you know, one person. I mean, when you think about the impact um, that we have to take, uh, we have a very small window. And, you know, when you're young, uh, as I was, I was 27 years old when I first met Senator Obama. And uh, I remember meeting uh, meeting him in Early in my career, a lot of my mentors, Reverend C.T. Vivian, Reverend Joseph Lowry, 
Reverend uh, Gerald Durley. Durley. Uh, so shout uh, out to Reverend Durley. We both know him. Shout well. out to Durley, man. I mean, uh, James Orange, man. Uh, Congressman Lewis. Zenona Clayton. I mean, these are folks. Shirley Franklin, man. Maynard Jackson. I mean, these are people that early in my career exposed me. And I remember one of the first meetings I had to answer your question was with uh, Jesse Hill. Uh, Jesse was, for those that don't know, a, a businessman in Atlanta, but helped to build the infrastructure um, that really helped for Atlanta to grow and the civil rights community to really thrive. And uh, one of the things I learned early in my career on this journey was that relationships matter. Uh, it doesn't matter what your title is, where you go, or what door opens, what door closes. When you create relationships, you cultivate them. And my journey has been very unorthodox. You know, I, I didn't wake up one day and say, I want to be the regional administrator of VPA Region 4. And, you know, it, it was one of those things where uh, the journey that I took, you know, I, I remember I shared earlier, um, starting off with Hurricane Katrina and then staying close to the administration. I didn't work um, with the Obama administration. I, I worked as a community leader that was uh, a part of at least four White House initiatives. I was invited to the Vatican for the, uh, the, the, the uh, encyclical on climate that the Pope gave um, ahead of the Paris Accords. And, you know, it was one of those things where each opportunity, every door that opened, including this one um, through this administration, um, has been humbling. Uh, these six federally recognized tribes, man, I mean, being able to see how indigenous communities are impacted along with other marginalized communities and why environmental justice is important. Looking at areas and knowing um, that Dr. King, you know, he mentioned uh, the Poor People's Campaign. You know, if, if, if folks don't know about it, um, Bobby Kennedy and Dr. King died 61 days apart fighting for the same thing, poverty. You know, Dr. King with the Poor People's Campaign and Bobby Kennedy having left Appalachia um, to really see America for what it was. This journey has really just inspired me. Um, because, you know, we're so digitally connected, um, but to see communities thrive with a lack of access to broadband, to see people feed their families in food deserts, to see communities that have been plagued um, with environmental challenges and extreme weather events that still are looking for leadership and guidance from the federal family, from those who are tasked to represent them. Um, I have learned and, and have been humbled to know that you cannot lead uh, from behind a desk or from the comfort of an office or a building. Uh, my most memorable experience was Lowndes County, Alabama, uh, walking with Administrator Regan through uh, waste soiled uh, sand and, and yards that had septic tanks that were broken. Um, folks had tarps over uh, pools of waste and seeing young men and women that had normalized that, seeing young men and women that smelled it and lived it every day. And so for me, uh, my journey and getting here has been more about the experiences and how it's going to shape the next decade of my life more than the title. And I was very privileged to serve as a regional administrator, but more than anything else, I've been privileged to meet men and women around this country that remind us every day why it's important for us to stand up for them, to show up for them, and to have ideas, opportunities, and resources that can help them. Um, intergenerationally and cross-culturally. I think it's important for us to remember that and it's important for us to recruit the future that can be able to build stronger and more resilient communities. And uh, these conversations, Dr. Shepard, are most important to me. I love and appreciate you um, as a friend, um, but more than anything else, I appreciate the ability for us to utilize our platforms to engage and inspire a community. 
and to really take our democracy and our nation into the future. And I thank you for your service on this podcast, um, this conversation, but more than anything else, um, to young men and women that you've mentored. And that's one thing I'll brag on you about. You have opened the door for so many people and you've been an inspiration to me. And I thank you for your service, sir. Well, you know, I, I didn't pay him at all to say that, but I'll take it. But, <laughs> uh, he's, there's mutual admiration for Mr. Brad. This is really where we have to end. I want to make sure, I mean, again, you've moved on to a new position at the sort of uh, EPA at the sort of federal level, in a sense, because you're covering the, the agency. But who, who has stepped in in the southern region uh, in, in, as you've moved into your new role? Yes, uh, that, that would be Janine Gettle. Janine served as my deputy regional administrator who will now come in the acting role as regional administrator. Uh, look, guys, Region 4 is going to be in great hands as it relates to the folks that are there have been there for a long time. You know, people hear a lot about the regional administrator, the deputy regional administrator, the, the division directors. Guys, we have over 800 people that make up this region, that work hard every single day on enforcement, that work hard on Superfund and emergency management and response, that work to protect your air and your water. Um, every single regional administrator, I wish I could name them all, but from region one to region 10 has done a phenomenal job. Um, this administration, the Biden-Harris administration has done a great job putting Administrator Regan in place. And Administrator Regan has done a great job in assembling one of the greatest spaces of regional administrators and this tremendous opportunity where the EPA has funds and resources through the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, the Inflation Reduction Act, and the Greenhouse Gas Reduction Fund, all to make sure that we make historic investments into protecting our environment, addressing the climate impact, and creating a space that parallels environmental justice and external civil rights. I thank you for your time, sir, and I'm very proud of the work we were able to do. And I know that the region and our country is in good hands with this administration, and I will continue to serve um, to build upon that and to build that bench we talked about earlier. So thank you so much for your time. Well, that's where we have to end it. And I know you can find uh, Daniel out on social media. As, uh, he's on all the major platforms, so definitely look him up. We've got to end it here. Thank you again, sir, for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast. And you can also catch us streaming on the Weather Channel's streaming channel. Now check out uh, streamtwc.com to find out more information. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia, and we'll see you next time on the Weather Geeks.